0: We're now listening to Footy Prime, the podcast hosted by Danny Dicchio,
2: Craig Forrest and James Sharman. Well, hello there and welcome back to Footy Prime. It's been uh, a couple of weeks. Uh, I was wearing vacation. These guys cannot do anything without me. So therefore, they took the week off. You're like our wife. Char- I am. <laughs> I'm am, I am, I'm the pod wife. Yeah, <laughs> James Sharman here with Craig Forrest, Danny Dicchio and on keyboards Dan Wong. <laughs> um, keyboards. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Listen, well, we'll get to our, our topic of the week shortly, but we'd be remiss if we didn't briefly mention what happened yesterday and the uh, the tragic death of Kobe Bryant. A huge fan of all things football, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I was a huge basketball fan, Kobe fan necessarily, but. You know, as a sports fan, you followed this guy. Uh, you obviously knew a lot about him. Um, he was one of those few that transcended the sport, and it does feel like a punch to the gut for some reason. You know, I mean, like I said, I didn't, I don't own his shirts. So I, I wouldn't necessarily have to watch him, but I respected him. But that was a tough day if you're a sports fan.
3: Yeah, I I watched uh, and watched a lot of NBA and uh, have the utmost respect for him. The utmost professional as well. And it's uh, you know, what was your Made it even worse, obviously, with his daughter. Gigi on the flight as well, which is crushing, as well as all the other people, uh, nine people in total. Uh, There's a coach, uh, as well as his wife and daughter, also on that flight. So just tragic, and it got worse as the day went on. It's a really, really sad story. And, uh, you know, it, we, he had a football connection, Dietz. You know, yeah. we, we know he lived in Italy um, when he was young, when his dad played in the NBA and then yeah. moved over to Italy in the league there. So. Learned very well. I mean, Spanish or, sorry, Italian fluently. Um, mm. Milan fan. Big AC Milan fan. Yeah, yeah. Barcelona. It really it
1: just goes to show how cosmopolitan he was as well, you know. I mean, right. he moved over there at a young age. I think it was his dad, Joe Craig, yeah, Craig that, that yeah. moved across after playing the NBA. And then yeah. he went on to France as well. But HDMI speeds one. a little bit of, of French, but fluent in Italian. Mm-hmm. Uh, they love him in Italy as well. So it was a big... A big loss to to the world of sports. It was a punch in the gut to everyone yesterday. Just how it unravelled and just goes to show you how how short life is. And you know, you you kind of grab your kids yesterday and hold them really tightly. And there was all kinds of emotions going through everyone's heads yesterday. And it was just a a very very sad day to to lose a legend, a a real legend like that. I was trying to think, you know, who would be the comparison in in football, right? And, And I kept thinking
2: it's it's almost David Beckham in that. I mean, I think Kobe was a better ball player than than Beckham was a footballer, but he understood his brand. He 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 transcended the sport, you know. He was a great player, not the best ever, you know. You could argue where he ranks, you know. I think Michael Grange said for him he was between ten and twenty. Others would say top three of all time, right? Yeah. But he understood his brand like Beckham did, and no matter whether you're a fan of the sport or not, you knew who Beckham was. You know who Beckham is. You knew who Kobe was as well. And it just shows that the power of sport, right? And yeah. you know, we're like you said, we we're, we're sports fans number one, mm-hmm. and, and you can't not understand, you know, what he meant to his sport. But beyond that, you know, he he's a smart guy. You know, he understood he worked it better than most, mm-hmm. and that's what I think makes it so painful, yeah. so hard.
1: I think as well, we're, we've all we've all got children as well, and I go back to. Uh, for me, I don't fear death; I fear what I'm leaving behind, and, and yeah. I, I looked at what unraveled yesterday and his, his children and his wife uh, that I feel so sorry for and, and the other um, people that were on the helicopter. And you just, you, you kind of have a new outlook. Not a new outlook, but you just really kind of think about... put
3: things in perspective. Yeah, what,
1: what I have to do in my life. Don't, mm. don't worry about the small things. <clears throat> just kind of get on with it because you, you never know. Well,
2: M- Michael Grange wrote a great comment on sportsnet.ca yeah, Dossier, about this. And he talks about how we can all relate to it because forget the helicopter, but he was just taking his kid to a game. We've all done that, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's, Not very, on a it's very, relatable. But no, no, but I mean, but yeah. to break it down. It's relatable because we've all done that: taking a kid to their their practice, to their game, and then they don't come back. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a really tough day. It was it's a tough yeah.
3: day. Yeah. And our really good friend Alex McKechnie at the Raptors. He was with uh, Kobe in Los Angeles for ten years or so. It was a hard day for all the basketball, but for Alex McKechnie, it was. Uh, Extremely tough. I was texting with him yesterday about it, and uh, he's also got some dental surgery he has to go through today. So bad couple of days for, yeah, uh, no for Alex.
2: Well, I mean, these these players kept playing, right? You know, and, <clears throat> and, and uh, the earlier game, and I guess information was coming down during the game. Do you have anything similar when, when you, you heard about something profound just before a match that that Nine
3: eleven, yeah nine eleven yeah We played. We were in Reading, and we had an FA Cup game against Reading with West Ham, and. Uh, it had happened that afternoon, early, sort of around noon, I guess, of pre pre match, mm-hmm. and we still played the game that night. Then every game yeah. was cancelled.
1: Yeah, the I, following remember, night. I remember being in a hotel. I was at West Brom. I just signed for West Brom, and I kind of was still in the hotel. I hadn't found a house yet. My family was still down in in London, and I was like, "What's going on here?" And it was, it was, it was again. It was everyone was kind of glued towards the TV. This somber kind of atmosphere. No matter how many thousands of miles away you were, you, everyone kind of felt it. Mm. I, I remember a similar kind of instance when Princess Diana died. I was in Sam, I was in Genoa at the moment with Sam Doria, obviously being from London as well, and just the the, the tragic accident that happened there. And my mum's a big royal as well. She loves the royals and she loved Princess Diana. That that was a, a tough one as well, not only for 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 me, but just because of how much my mum. Really loved, and and England loved Princess Diana. She was like the the country's princess, not only the royal's princess. And that, it just shows you that life does go on, but with a heavy, heavy heart. And I think that the players that played yesterday, we saw a lot of outpouring of of grief, but just the, the respect and what Kobe meant to to different players, whether it be in tennis. I saw. Uh, in the tennis final, Nadal yesterday. Um, the, the two girls that played in the finals, well, yeah. uh, writing stuff. Um, so Neymar, all um, kinds. Neymar celebrate after a, his celebration, yeah. putting up with a two-four, mm-hmm. and just the players playing in the NBA yesterday. I'm sure a lot of them knew Kobe personally or watched yeah. Kobe. That he was, he was. The guy that they looked up to. I thought it was a classy thing skill.
3: that it was the Raptors and the Spurs yeah, did last night, was running cool. the, right out of the start of the gates, running twenty-four second violations, which was I thought was brilliantly and Pop done. Done a really good
1: thing as well because the Raptors went first, didn't they? The Raptors went first, and yeah. then he. he and what of, I understand
3: uh, from Alex was that uh, it was uh, Nurse's decision. Um, he talked to Pop, the coach of uh, Spurs, about run doing this, and both of them ran the twenty-four second violation, which yeah. I thought was a really classy.
1: I'm surprised Touching. though, Craig. Like you know, in football we have the one minute silence. Why yeah. why do they not do that in the NBA? Uh, like, yeah. is there is there a reason for it? Is it because of TV or stuff like? Because for me, that's that was the the perfect example, yesterday for that game, the Raptors versus the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Everyone was feeling emotional in the stadium. Everyone there was shouts mm-hmm. of Kobe within the stadium <laughs> as well. That's a good question.
3: I don't know why they do it. It's a huge thing
1: in
0: in European sports, isn't it? No, I think it had to do with the fact that his number was 24, and the shot clock was 24. But there was no minute silence before the game. That was kind of the it replaced it. Right. Right. Like the 24 second clock thing replaced the moment of silence. Okay. So they took the ball, they held the ball, and then they gave it to the other team. So it ended up being a minute of silence.
1: Right. Yeah. I just, like, I thought the NBA would kind of sanction something to, to yeah. say that all games, there's going to be a minute silence yeah. before yeah. the yeah. start today, just really. not only for the players, but for the fans to, to show their appreciation. Or even a minute's applause. Applause, I, I, exactly. I, I actually like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I prefer that as yeah. well. You're right. But the fact that there was such grief across
2: so many different sports is what struck me. Often you get you know, a tragic death in a sport, and, and within mm. that sport, you, you feel it, you see it, but other sports don't react. Yeah. But like you said, be it tennis, be it football, be it whatever it is, people are saying, man, this <laughs> guy meant so much to me. Yeah. The
3: NBA is a big league worldwide. It's really, really popular. And I know amongst all the football players in England that I played with and foreigners that I played with, all really liked it and followed it very
2: closely. We, uh, you know, Obviously, Cabby was uh, quite tight with Kobe Yeah. back in the day. And uh, back at the score, and the footy show, we actually got Kobe through Cabby to give us a promo once. And it was like, a, I forget what he said now. I'm Kobe Bryant, and when I'm in Canada, I watch the footy show or something. And it gave us a, holy crap, that's amazing. Thanks, Cabby. <laughs> I saw <laughs> Cabby so, so cool. yesterday. You got pretty emotional. Did, yeah. did, yeah. Oh, uh, well, no. we, in many ways, Kobe, I wouldn't say he built Cabby's career, per se, but he mm. should, certainly helped it, right? You, you worked with Cabby a yeah, lot. Yeah, so the crazy thing, and I know Sharms
0: is going to, it took Cabby probably, like, five to eight months of visiting, like, seeing Kobe breaking on. Him <laughs> breaking him down. Breaking him down, because he thought he was a clown, I think. Yeah. It looked yeah. like a F off, Yeah, busy. Who is this guy? Yeah, exactly. And then, slowly but surely, Cabby, like, to his kudos to him to get into a place where he goes, look, I'm doing a job, I'm not making fun of anybody, but we're here to show the fun of the fun yeah. Of television and sports, and this is what, and they ended up like you saw pictures of them, and I, and I was just like, geez, they, you can tell how close they yeah. were because he was like putting them in headlocks, and <laughs> now, now you're having fun, yeah. Mm-hmm. And for Kobe, it always seemed like he did have that arms length, you know. Whenever they talk about Kobe with the Lakers, he was the didn't always go, hey, I'm your best friend, but I'm the way we're going to win mm-hmm. championships. And be the best professional. Mm. I'm going to keep everyone a little bit at arm's length. Well, you yeah. got to you got to think you know? he ha-
3: he's going to keep people at arm's length uh, out of just defense almost. Yeah. You know, like you know, people want a piece of them. Everybody yeah. wants a piece of them. Yeah. You know, so you have to sort of be somewhat defensive about you know who you're dealing with, and people are trying to use you as well as to to further their own careers yeah. and sort of things. So, yeah, it would take some time certainly to.
0: Especially, to do he that. also lived that a different lifestyle. The guy grew up in Italy. Mm. And then came over to play high school, mm-hmm. you know, at that prep school. Yeah.
3: It, well, they teach that he's very quite worldly, yeah. you know. Intelligent very, guy,
2: right? here and speak. Yeah. yeah. You
3: know, and oh. in the great
2: wide world of sports, it's not often you get that. Oscar winner. He <laughs> won an Oscar for
3: his doctoral yeah, right? Yeah,
2: precisely, right? Yeah. A bigger life. He had than almost just begun, right? And yeah. that's the part of the tragedy, you know. Yeah. This is not a guy that's going to retire quietly. You know, yeah. it's not cubby. But I think, was it this podcast? We, we spoke about the fact that there's only a handful of guys who you know globally by their first name or they have a brand. Oh, it's Kobe. Yeah. Oh, it's Pele.
3: Mm.
2: Muhammad Ali obviously, right? Someone that transcended the sports. There aren't many, but I think we debated I was it this podcast? Uh, and was does Kobe fit into that? And I think yesterday proved that he does. Yeah. Well it, it is now this sport, podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah, it is now, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was then I mean, guys my memories are so bad, right? We've mm-hmm. yeah. been doing this for so long now. But uh yeah, yeah very, very sad day for of a sport, and yeah. I'm sure he'll be remembered appropriately in the coming uh, days and weeks. Uh, let's get to the the topic at hand, shall we? Of course, it's football. And today, we've decided to pick out, due to the fact that MLS and, and the Canadian Premier League are, are right now beginning their pre-seasons, or in the midst of their pre-seasons, let's talk about pre-seasons today, fellas, mm-hmm. and, and just what they were like for you both. Did you enjoy them? Did you hate them? So let's let start by going way, way back to your your first preseason professionally. Now I'll start with you, Craig, right? So you are this young Canadian kid going yeah. to Ipswich, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed. Do you remember your first pre season? I do. Um <laughs> and it was hard.
1: Oh
3: jeez, it was so hard. Being sixteen years of age and being six foot five i was a little behind my body couldn't wasn't catching up to itself so. <laughs> voice hadn't broken yet yeah hardly <laughs> and then you're running around and honestly running was just i could not long distance running i couldn't do it i just like struggled i just i couldn't figure like brutal absolutely brutal so it was difficult but the only good thing is being a goalkeeper that wasn't always a bad thing but and now i think more uh than ever it's a uh, specific training yeah not the back change, in the day. They used to throw their, throw their
2: goalkeepers into the long distance. Like, what What do I have to go run 15 kilometres <laughs> yeah. for? What, was it just about fitness back in those days? Like get fit in pre-season as opposed to now you better be fit for pre-season? Uh, it, I,
1: don't know, I've, I really believe it was a mental thing as well back in those days. Listen, the, the first day of pre-season was not only the worst because you knew you was going to be doing some physical activity (laughs) that was going to make you throw up but it was also your last day of freedom of summer where most people like on the radio they're all celebrating yeah yeah, it's the first day of summer we knew that it was going to be the first day of pre-season so
3: and book your holidays if if you're ever going to go to England Book it when there's pre-season. No, find out when the football team's got pre because it's always 35 degrees for those two weeks. Yeah, always.
1: <laughs> always. <laughs> the rest of the time it freezing. It was oh, always sc- always scorch in them two weeks. But like, as you just said there, long gone in the days where we used to come back for preseasons, and there was a couple of boys where you go, Oh, Ooh. all right, Johnny. <laughs> had a good couple of weeks there, haven't you? Put a few pounds but on, on a few pounds, and he'd be like, "Yeah, but we've got four weeks. I'm going to burn it off. No chance that could happen." Now you've got players that are coming in two, three weeks prior, yeah. prepared. Guys that have got their own kind of strength and conditioning. Guys that they're working with. Um, but if you came in, if you come in underprepared or overweight, now not only are you getting fined or ostracised by your, your teammates and staff.
2: You would be. So your teammates would say, come on, man. Oh, yeah, like, for you, sure. You're letting us down here. Because the, the, the rumour was Eden Hazard arrived at Real Madrid training camp or pre-season this year, a few pounds overweight. And, and he had a terrible start to the season, right, after his yeah. move from Chelsea. Mm. So your teammates would be saying, come on, man, what, what are you doing? Big time. Yeah. Banter. <laughs> when- was it ever you guys? <laughs> was good, were you, banner Were you guys ever out of shape when you got into camp? Out of shape, but not overweight, there wasn't one when you thought, man, I enjoyed the summer a bit too much. No. No. You let me down. I man. enjoyed the summers. But not, <laughs> but not too much. But you couldn't gain weight though, right? Business. No. It's tough for you.
3: No, tough for me. Both yeah. you guys. Yeah. yeah I mean, we me and Wonga here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Hartson. But West Ham United. He, he came back.
1: Yeah. A stone. Overweight big time, there was there was a lot of guys that came back like, and it would set you back months it would set you back and oh, yeah. they would be doing extra training on top of the, the, the kind of running we were doing anyway but going back to how things have changed now nowadays you've got like blood tests oxygen masks you're hooked up to machines to discover like your VO2 max which yeah. is basically your measurement of your maximum oxygen. amount of oxygen which you can do at an intense level mm-hmm. there was none of that back in our days, it was like I remember vividly at QPR, my first couple of training, uh, pre-season training sessions, we used to go to a place called Richmond Park. And you would plot it at the start of this entrance to the park. And you would run for around two and a half to three hours of monotonous running in on a roadway, off track. Uh, it was just like marathon, so mind-boggling to me. Sakes. And we had like... Ian Holloway at the time, who, who was a player for us, who was obviously a captain everyone knows, was like the white Mo Farah. He just... <laughs> was he? Oh, no, he was just unbelievable. <laughs> really? And then you've got like, the big loggerheads at the back. Me, as a young 17-year-old, yeah. is expected to be up near the top. And it was funny, I had a, 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 an apprentice at the time. We kind of veered off the pack, uh, off the beaten track with, with a couple of us, and he said, listen, I know, I know this park pretty well. There's a bus stop over here. If we can jump on that bus a couple of stops, we'd end up doing that, shaving off at least a mile of this this. So I said, I'll have some of that fella. So we jumped on the bus and the conductor was there. It was the old school buses that had the open backs. he's going, where, where, where are you two going? We said, Ah, oh, we just we've lost our team. We're like we're in the park somewhere. So he's going, Well have you got any money? So I said, No, no, we haven't got any money. <laughs> So he said, well, you're going to have to get off. So we are like giving him bits of stick back. We said, we can't get off when it's got, when the bus is going. So we had to get off at the next stop. But we still shaved off a quarter of a mile. <laughs> got back on two and a half hours later. We arrived back at the, you the finish line. Yeah. No, we weren't because the, the the coaching staff used to drop us off, go back to the training ground, have a cup of tea, some breakfast, and then come back two hours later to see yeah. who are the fellas that have broken down, who are the guys that have finished, yeah. It, that's why I say I think it was more of a mental thing. You're getting your fitness of course but the monotonous run of just running around the, yeah. uh, like a big yeah. park was was not very creative. No. Anyway, and now, I think
3: they made it up as they made it, they yeah. went along.
1: But nowadays as I said with all the, the tests and stuff you have strength and conditioning staff that are in they can be as creative as you want. Um I think even Arsene Wenger came back and change the mindset a little bit of coaches by saying, for me, there's no need to be doing monotonous running in pre-season or long-distance running longer than 12 minutes. Your your running has to be done intelligently. Mm -hmm. And with the ball. And with the ball. And now counter that to Klopp, who says, for me, the the, the hardest-working team that runs the most is going to be the most successful. So what is the balance? The balance there, yeah. Yeah. You can do both, can't you? You can do both, but but I, I think... As I said, go back to the strength and conditioning guys that are now in place, and we've had Alex on, who's, who's one of the, the top guys in his um, like system. I just I feel that there's specific training that is going to help specific players. There's no point, Craig, yeah, running around uh, Richmond Park for three hours. He's going to do more damage to his back or to. A yeah, specific yeah. but an explosive legs. type workout would be far explosive, more explosive doing these weights, it. plyometrics now, and stuff like yeah. that. When <laughs> <laughs> you played,
2: you're blob now, literally, yeah, yeah, blob
3: <laughs> melting ice cream cone. But, but now, you get you, get, <laughs> you give these kids, so
2: oh, you give you uh, kids their off season plans as well, right? They're mm. given a, uh, yeah, you must do this to get in shape. Back then, was it once the season finished, we'll see a. In the summertime, or did they give you a program? I
3: mean, no, there was a bit of there was a program, um, and to be honest, um, I would keep myself at a certain level in off season, so I would make myself go for runs and things like that, at least every other day, um, for the few weeks you're off. You're not off for that long. It's not long, is it? Yeah, that's good point. Preseason is oh, sometimes you're, (laughs) and if you're with the national team at all, you you might get two, three weeks, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe, and then you're right back in it.
2: So, did you ever get conflicting advice from your, your national team coaches? Compared to your professional team coaches for preseason, for, for preseason, for training in no, general, no, no, no. Because
3: we were always when we went into the national team, we we're always in good shape. Yes, yeah, so it wasn't playing about shape. At that point it is. wasn't about fitness. It was just about right. doing what you could in the five days you're with the club. But we have been told, though,
2: okay, Craig, you know, we think you need to work more on this part of your game, which contradicted. What oh we're yeah, told at West Ham or Ipswich. Oh no, no. Nobody in Canada would tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you were the man, right? I was the man. He has swagger. <laughs> He was, he was Craig Forrest, after all. <laughs> Candace only <Yeah>. professional player. <laughs> but but yeah. going
1: back to pre-season, most players really did dread like, pre-season, as me and Craig have attested to. But what I would say, that there was uh, a togetherness and team spirit that, that was built during pre-season. Whether you were doing a long run, whether you were doing a thousand push-ups, whatever it was, and... You had those two or three hangers on, myself probably, that were struggling to get through it and the team kind of rallied around you. And I I, I feel that that set you up really great for for the season, whether you had new players come in, um, older players trying to bring the young ones into the squad. And there was something about pre-season that built that team spirit. That's what uh, coaches, a lot of your coaching is done in pre-season. But also your team spirit is is kind of built built yeah. within that, that. Is that, that why you, you should well? go
2: away for hot weather training? Whatever it's going to be, it's, it's partly because it's nice weather, but yeah. also because that getting away from home is going to build the morale of a team. Well, you mean going away
3: for preseason? Yeah, yeah. Well, it all depends bit. on where you go. Turkey. Cool. We, <laughs> we went. Worst to Sw- place
1: you've been to preseason, we to- Craig. Let's get let's get into the nuts <laughs> the wor- and bolts. Well, of it. The,
3: the worst and the best is probably the same thing. Ah, oh, uh, I like it. Because uh. worse because you have got to. You know, we're in Sweden. Things are pretty good there.
2: <laughs> what do you mean by that?
3: Well, we're young. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> what do you mean by that? There's lots going on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember us being in the bar, and the coach came down and said, "If you guys don't get out of here tomorrow, you're going to pay. You're going to pay." Paid? And we're like, oh yeah, we paid. We're like, <laughs> we're like, we're not going anywhere. This is just too much fun. So the next day we paid. We were run until you puked, basically. Yeah. And we never went back to Sweden again for preseason. Went for postseason because this doesn't. It's more of a holiday, right? But preseason, yeah. you know,
1: it was hard to control a bunch of young football players. A lot, a lot of teams actually went to Scandinavia, but yeah. the teams I, I went with, like. Um Sunlearn, West Brom we went to, to Scandinavia, but remote parts of Scandinavia. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't only because you wanted to get the players away from any media or any attention which could cause damage to your actual team spirit that you're building, but also your fitness levels which you're trying to build up as well. It was to get away from the fans. But the big clubs that I played for, the fans would always find you in the most remote places as well. They'd yeah. you. They'd follow, they'd follow it because it was a it was a piss-up for them as well. Yeah, right. And it actually caused more harm because they were closer to, to the field as well where you were playing these pre-season games and you're literally where I'm standing now today and one and the guy's telling you, yo. Fucking line up, you! You fucking giants. <laughs> so you're like in <laughs> your two weeks in Northern Finland, right? Yeah. <laughs> in your Northern Finland or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're feeling that. Like, What's yeah. going on there? But yeah. were, those those were tough times, but also good times because mm-hmm. you could really focus on what you needed to do to try and get yourself up to par, ready for the start of the Premier League. Or one it was. thing
3: that's not important was results because yeah. you could have the worst preseason, lose to non-league teams and you know the media's all over like where's what happening what's happening yeah. and the season starts and it's completely different yeah but there must
2: have been, been the times though. there must have been times where sure you know, at your prime you knew pretty much no matter what happens I've got my job I, I've got my, my shirt there must have been times when you were fighting for a position though and you knew you had to perform yeah. in pre-season wasn't there
3: you know what? You're, I think you're always fighting for your position. Though there's people coming up underneath you. There's young bucks that are trying to take your position all the time. I, I think you, you can never rest on it. You know, it's a short career. You have to work really hard. Focus on what you're doing, and uh, the, these challenges are always there.
2: For so sure. you never felt comfortable. No, with the shirt? not overly. No.
1: No. no, it's always a competitive environment when you, when you're playing yeah. in a professional football club. Yeah, you should never be comfortable.
2: Can you be tight with the guy who's looking over your yeah, shoulder? I saying, was always I w- tight. I want your sh- I want your shirt. Yeah, well you tight. knew the deal. I mean it didn't it went without saying. But it must be some players that thought man fuck off Dickio. Yeah no there was some I, for this, sure. I, 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 this is my shirt. piss off.
1: Yeah. But Isn't I'm a it? pretty good reader of people as well so like I, I used to try and take the younger guys that were were in my position as well and and give them advice or just help them along the way, they would push me as well and keep me on my toes, but you also kind of read to certain players that had no interest in being a team player, they were in it for themselves, and mm-hmm. they would, which is uh, their way of doing things in life, but they, they would do anything to get your position and and to, to to hold on to that position, But which added to the spice, I think, as well, because you're not going to get on with every teammate. We played on a lot of teams where you probably got on with 25% of the team. There was probably two or three teams where we all got on together. Who was your enemy, your biggest enemy, can you say? Is there one guy that you just did not get on with? No, there wasn't really any guys. Because I think once they started to understand what I was about and that I could give them mm-hmm. advice and help them with, with their game as well, that we slowly kind of built a, a, a mutual relationship where we'd get on for the for the, the best of the team. But there must be certain teams and there's, there's a one guy just
2: stands out, just doesn't. Really want to be there, Is it making the effort.
1: Yeah, sometimes.
2: Yeah. yeah. Must be frustrating. It was I mostly know.
1: foreign players. No disrespect yeah. to, to Craig, but it was mostly foreign <laughs> players. <laughs> Craig was, don't, Craig, was don't a really. I consider myself no, a foreigner. He was there. an adopted British guy. Anyway, know, well, Craig. Yeah, you just, didn't,
2: everyone else did. Right?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like,
3: hold on a minute.
2: Yeah. Premier, oh was there eight years before the Premier League started <laughs> <laughs> like, come on was yeah, like, right. but I mean was there any particular pre-seasons where there's a huge turnover at the club and you arrived and they went and thought holy crap man this is going to be a different beast this year oh yeah yeah. yeah. oh like, sure you're like shaking hands I'm Craig yeah. I'm Danny numerous yeah. yeah. people
3: new signings I remember Harry Redknapp we had a few new signings can't remember then we had the team there in the year before we finished fifth in the Premier League and Harry's uh, trying to get everybody going and Saying that I think we can win the league this year. We're standing there it's preseason, all the grouped around. <laughs> and Neil Ruddick, <laughs> razor ruddock, you can hear him in the back. So Harry's like Lads, I think we can fucking win the league. We can go one better, we can do it. And Neil Ruddick's in the background. He's like... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> he started laughing. Harry was like, who, who is that? Razor, was that you? That's your fucking problem, Razor. you got no belief. No <laughs> he's belief. Like, he's like, no, no, Harry. It's not about belief. He said, we need another six or seven in the squad. And we got no shit. <laughs> did anyone believe? Apart from Are Harry? They, did I, did I, Harry believe, honestly? I don't know if no, he, he did right? or not.
2: He's yeah. trying to sell the If dream. we had six or seven more... Yeah, a squad that size but it's 5th you finish 5th you're West Ham holy crap man yeah. you, that really a championship that's if everybody
3: stays healthy
2: yeah <laughs> but then
3: looking at Leicester you know all these years later you know you kind of you know you wonder whether that yeah. was, was more possible but. but there
2: must have been years too when you looked around the room and thought oh god this <laughs> oh, is going to be a long season oh fuck <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah every year especially, <laughs> especially when, when you face. especially when yeah. you've sold like your one or two good players like your, your top yeah. players yeah I remember at Sunderland when we 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 had sold Kev Phillips, and Super he was Kev. he was a big miss to us as well. Even at QPR when I was younger, well, young you guys down. had
2: a good partnership together, yeah. Right?
1: yeah. yeah. And he was so it's thirty goal year. He, he got into England as well. He was scoring goals up right. plenty, and
2: he went to where Southampton?
1: Where did he go? From mm. no, I can't remember. Well, where did
2: Kev, Super Kev go?
1: I I think he went up. to he went to either Villa or no, I think he did go Southampton. It was. A, it wasn't a bigger club as we thought he could go and play at anyway. Right. But there was plenty of times where you come back into pre season and there was obviously a lot of press going on about this player's moving to here, this player's moving to there. So there was another reason for for mm-hmm. us to get out of the country. I think Southampton. It was Southampton. Villa after that. Yeah.
2: Then West Brom, then Birmingham City, so then Blackpool, then Palace, then Palace, then Leicester. <laughs> Jesus,
1: and a lot of clubs. clubs, a lot of clubs. Yeah, good player, good player. But going back to like the places that we used to to, to travel to, like I, I went to some really nice places as well. Incidentally, I went with Millwall. We went to Vancouver one year, That's and that weird. was my first time in I'm Canada. The first time I met you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. was it really? Yeah. And we we played against Dennis Wise. Dennis Wise, right? Dennis Wise and Ray Wilkins. Why Vancouver? Over. We'd just been in the FA Cup final. And the following year, I think we were invited by some Canadian businessmen to come over with Hearts as well from Scotland to play in a mini tournament against the select uh, Canadian team. Was Craig playing in that? Right? No, I don't think you, you didn't went? play in it, Craig. No, Because no. it was, it was it, uh, a Whitecaps, wasn't it, or was the 86 sixers? No, it was a it was a select team from Canada because oh, right. we actually picked up Adrian Seriu and uh, Josh Simpson from. Yeah. That, selecting that we select team from that select team, and Adrian became a bit across. of a legend there, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, long throw, yeah. long throws. Yeah, they loved it They're like a missile. They yeah. loved that down here, <laughs> South London. But you, but you loved <laughs> it my head, didn't yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Well, but,
3: uh, it's a good weapon, yeah, absolutely. Good weapon, but we actually can trap Bag of cement, but
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: friggin' now the guy
2: could throw well, 50 it. It yards. became a point, wasn't it, each where, where a throw felt like a corner?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you Which look at. They're harder in, to in defend. The, in the Stoke days, I think it was Rory, Rory Delep as well. Yeah. He had right, a cool. massive yeah, massive throw from the halfway yeah. line. It was launched into the box.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you crowd the goalkeeper, can't be outside on a yeah. throw in, so they crowd the goalkeeper and lob it right in there, like throw it. It's a it's a dangerous, yeah. dangerous weapon that you can get something
1: right. from. Do you remember Vancouver being like excruciating hot that that year it that's was crazy. so hot for us boys coming from london we were like this is like tenko here like unbelievable <laughs> tenko. Tenko. that's
2: a freaking <laughs> obscure reference that was about a japanese woman's prisoner war camp yeah but it was absolutely that's what we call it
1: <laughs> i just Tenko something new <laughs> yeah like 1985 dude. jesus that's our way of saying tenko. it was really hot tenko it was absolutely <laughs> tenko there uh,
0: I, I was just gonna ask it was the first time you two met what did you think of each other, you guys? Oh, we didn't
1: get uh, into oh, no. it that much. We shook hands, and I think you were part of like of the group that were trying to. I don't know. I bring football there, or they were there was like a yeah. I can't remember. I think a group that was trying to dogs there with me, but
2: I can't remember why.
1: It wasn't televised or anything. No, it was just like a mini. Maybe tournament. they're doing stories then. with sports. neighbor yeah, maybe. Maybe.
2: Reps. maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Did you think then, these man, I like Canada. I loved. I loved Vancouver. I thought it was so like pretty a lot different than South London where we were playing at the time but we were training at I think it was BC University Craig am I right BC Lions was the B- BCIT, BC, maybe. BCIT it was a beautiful like yeah. setting like mountains in the background yeah. we were there for like two weeks staying downtown in, in near Burnaby as well so Really that was a
3: postseason, right? Not pre-? Yeah.
1: yeah. Was, no, pre-season. Was it, it was pre? a pre-season, what yeah. Okay. So we come a long way for that. But yeah, no kidding. I went, where else? We? With Sampdoria, we went to some crazy places as well. Sampdoria is obviously a, a big club, so we, we we did our pre-season in Genoa, which incidentally, at the time, only had two grass fields. <laughs> one, Genoa, the football team, which is one of the longest-standing football teams in Italy, is the oldest team, mm-hmm. and one for Sampdoria. Wow. And I couldn't believe it. The rest in were Italy. like either clay or dirt. Jesus. So we'd done our pre-season there, which was a whole new way of training for me.
2: It's going to say your first pre-season in Italy. Yeah. Forget about... Totally club. different
1: way of training as well, Craig, than, than just the monotonous running. It was very position-specific. Uh, we did a lot of strength training to our legs, uh, lots of bounding and jumping, and... Um, but like really specific with with this Argentinian strength guy that we had that Manotti brought in with him, and I I probably felt the fittest that I ever felt in my whole career there. The amount of stretching that we did after the games, pre pre training as well, was was a real white eye. <clears throat> and that was week. you and
2: Sven signed you, and then by the time you got to camp, he'd left. Yeah. So what was your first conversation with the new manager like? Do you remember? Not much because he didn't speak English. Right.
1: And his Italian Italian was... was, uh... My Italian was good, but his Italian was pretty poor and the Spanish-Italian was, was, you could understand bits of it, but he was obviously coming in, getting used to the new players as well. That was a big turnaround of players, but Mm -hmm. a hell of a squad we had there. But we went to Helsinki in Finland to play a friendly. We then went to Derby in England to open Pride Park, their new stadium. And then we finished in Barcelona, uh, the new Camp. So three friendlies in three totally different uh, From Pye, countries. From mm. High Park to Camp Nou. High Park to Camp Nou. And Duguri just... took us out. That's what I remember about uh, Christophe Duguri. You're Sam took a, uh, he, No, he, he was at Barcelona at the time, but we had a couple of French players, and he took us out that night in Barca. I just, you know, I'm, I'm here with a World Cup winner. We're getting out. I'm like 20 years old. St- bit starstruck? <laughs> Very starstruck. Yeah,
2: really. Can I say was there <laughs> was there a moment in any of your careers when you were like, "Holy crap! I can't believe I'm in the same field as as this guy"? Was there ever a point? Mm. Yeah, lots of times. Yeah, yeah. such yes. as
3: Romario. Mm.
1: Romario. We against the Brazilians. Great, yeah,
3: the Brazilian World Cup team. A month before they won after the World Cup. After you won the you, uh, yeah, after you won Gold Cup. No, this was uh, 1994, a month before the World Cup started. Okay. So Brazil Jesus. had their full team. That Every, was some team? Was some team. Wow. Yeah. There's hundreds of Brazilian media in Edmonton. And uh, after the game we drew, could have won it in the end, uh, they were just crying out for everybody to be it, it replaced. <laughs> Manager, <laughs> players, you know what it is, you know, you can imagine, right? Brazil. Yeah. And then a month later, they won the World Cup or so. Jesus. Yeah. So that, was a, that
2: was a big But anybody, like,
3: they, any those types of guys like Klinsmann and Shearer and any of the top players... Um, were always... Uh, uh, it was special to play against them. Mm-hmm. I mean, but nervous, of course, yeah. I mean, Exciting. Was that a moment
2: you when you realised when you were a young kid? <clears throat> QPR, thing. Play, oh,
1: playing, playing against players or either playing one. with e- them? Either one. I can't really, like... Not like I, I played against the Manchester Uniteds and the Liverpools of, of the day that were classics. I think a real eye-opener for me was playing against Wimbledon, the crazy gang. Oh, yeah? Where you, you're in the tunnel, like, And they're basically bullying you in the tunnel. Fashion, Vinnie Jones, Wisey, who I play, played uh, under Sanchez. back in the day, Sanchez. And <laughs> these were like land of the giants. And I'm this like <laughs> nine, 18, 19-year-old kid. Tiny six-foot-two at that point. And they're going out there talking, all right, baby, how are you? You, you going to have a nice game? <laughs> You're the first one we're going to launch right into the stand. <laughs> and I'm looking for a bit of backup here from my captain. <laughs> and they're, all they're cowering everyone's the just day. cowering like that. <laughs> so that was my real... And I stood in like... Tunnels with like Schmeichels and Steve yeah. Bruce's yeah. and the Pallisters or even the Liverpool team back in the day, like the, the Johnny Barnes, all them guys that I grew up watching legends, but that was the the crazy game was a real eye opener for me. Going, Oh shit. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> this yeah. is gonna kick off big time here. Yeah. yeah. I loved you- it.
2: Did it affect your play, or did you like? The,
3: no, the, not the, the really. Pushed you
1: forward. It pushed me forward. Let
3: me read down Dickio's alley. Yeah, oh, that probably. Uh, that was right. That exactly. was right. I must be like, honest. That probably give
1: Look. me my uh, grounding tools and, yeah. and his
0: mullet. And his my mullet. mullet. <laughs> his
1: mullet stood on its own <laughs> <laughs> It was his best partner out there. <laughs> did, you, <laughs> you used to flick, did you used to flick your hair? Like, <laughs> no, I used and to have Fabio? really You're long like hair. I had a ponytail. Really long hair. Of
0: course, he had a ponytail.
1: I think you should go that again. You should go the ponytail again.
2: Have that the bald really and then the ponytail. Yeah, Like
1: he He was an actor that used to act the hard man in um, films. He, oh. you look like Hulk Hogan. He had he had long <laughs> hair like on the sides here, and he used to tie it back. But a big oh cigar, oh cigar, yeah, <laughs> that's right, Steve uh, cigar.
3: what <laughs> you're
1: talking about?
2: Actually,
1: you look a oh, bit like Steve Seagal. Seagal. Great it's movies, true.
2: by the uh. way. That's a good
0: Halloween. The one, the, the movie <laughs> on, on, on the
2: ship was kind of the end of it, though, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. finished him. Yeah, it <laughs> did. <laughs> <laughs> no one's heard of him since. Under siege, under siege, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Under siege. Wow, what a movie. But going back to pre-season, when. What time, Craig, because this is interesting for me as well, what time or, or week did you start to feel like, okay, um, I'm feeling sharp, I'm ready now? Because it took me a long time to get. What give. part of the week? No, like, you know, we'd start probably early July. Right. Would it take you a week? Would it take you two weeks? Oh, before you feel... Yeah, because, like, the yeah. first week, you're, you're basically, your muscles, your body is broken down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and this is only with a few weeks off. It should, like, yeah, this was like three, four weeks off. That's it. Yeah. But I've got yeah, ten years right now. I've done nothing. Then you're back at it, right? But you had been moonwalking in Tenerife for yes. those whole three weeks. Yeah. Oh yes, and doing the Billie Jean yeah. dance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or in a lounger in <laughs> Sinatra's. Sinatra's and Megalith was it?
3: No, Sinatra's was in uh, Puerto Banus, Marbella. Marbella, Marbella, Marbella. Yeah, Marbella. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. yeah. A few teams went there.
1: <laughs> but no, but you think about nowadays, so like I'm going back to the goalkeepers, uh, for a 90-minute game, the average footballer runs anywhere between 8 and 13 kilometers in a game. Midfielders obviously are the highest because they're running box to box. Forwards are the next. Defenders are the next laziest fuckers. But uh, <laughs> goalkeepers, on average, still run between 4 and 6 kilometers per game. Really? Just which w- baffles w- staying me. Staying <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's like, amazing. I can't actually, see Edison running yeah. four to six kilometers we per game. We actually. He's just like that, hanging you know. on the post, smoking yeah. a cigar. Yeah, but yeah. It's yeah. interesting. Like, I was looking at the stats in this. Guy. How does a what are you run doing between Rick? four and it's six just, kilometers? Just well,
3: I mean, I always kept keeping the game. I always had certain things where I'd run box to box, like point of the box to point of the box. I would do that on every corner that we had. So it's just different routines, but just always keeping... Yeah, warm for that yeah. moment, you know. Like if you're going, you might be there for not many of my teams where I was there half an hour without doing anything, but you could go long <laughs> spells without doing anything and then uh, have to show up uh, with something big. So you better keep yourself But what, But game. was there a point,
2: like Danny mentioned, was there a point, though, in preseason where you thought, okay, now I'm ready, now I'm switched on, I'm good to go?
3: Uh, yeah, it didn't take very long. I mean, most of most of it was, you know, you know, just getting your... Your eyes in your, you know, being able to see your vision on picking up flights, the balls for corners and things like that. Just because so you would lose that weeks. quickly, would you? After the season? Yeah, you lose yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, That's the, why it's important. The I think coaches? for certain goalkeepers can play well if they're playing regularly, and then you have some goalkeepers that yeah. can go months and months on the bench, not play or not play, and go in and do well. And then some of them can't
2: do that; they need to play all the time. Do you have a vision coach? I know nowadays a lot of teams have those. The, the focus yeah. on depth. That's why you see in hockey, you see the guys juggling tennis balls and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff you do uh, was reactionary stuff like mm-hmm. that. If you're
3: facing a wall with your back to your coach or somebody who's going to distribute the ball off the wall in front of you, so you have to react. So, world just everything world. was just reactionary, trying to pick up just fast. Yeah. You know, yeah. really, really quick. I always we- had good go- go- goalkeeper coaches, though. And, and uh, even back in when before. It's more specific, but um, you know, legendary guys that knew what they were doing. You know, Phil Parks, Les Seeley, right. Mike McClosco, you know, excellent, brilliant goalkeepers that had a real eye for it. Did somehow. it help that you knew they played the game at a high level?
2: Or did, yes, that- yeah, yeah. But
3: um, there was one guy called Malcolm Webster who played at Cambridge for years, but never got above sort of third tier. Um, he was probably the best goalkeeper coach I ever had. Oh yeah. So a guy really? that never made it at to the top end but just his ideas and his angles and how he had you diving in certain ways. Um, that were, he, was, he was basically under the impression that we can save and from certain spots. It's unsavable, but there's other places where you can be in safe spots that are going in the top corner if your positioning is right and you dive in the right positioning, not diving back. You're diving forward or diagonal. So he had the best sort of way to put it that way and was the best coach Um from that standpoint Very good with young kids Better than the, the top end goalkeepers Who naturally picked it up Like let's yeah, see, right, Lee, right. if a kid came to the ground Trying out And he was 14, 15 And you'd bang a couple balls at him Right at his nose And if he can't catch it He was like well What are you doing here? like he right. was blatantly audio like he was like I'm going to be honest with you kid you can't catch a ball yeah. I don't know if you can kick or take a cross or take a, you know but or just distribution you can't catch a ball so what are you doing here cuz
2: <laughs> <It's like, laughs> saint broken, yeah. broken noses oh yeah les would break some hearts but going geez. back
1: to the training which Craig is speaking about now there's so much cognitive training that goes into to the actual specific training now specifically for goalkeepers Even for players now, they're using all these lights and different reaction um, software that they can use within the training grounds or even on the field. So the goalkeeping training has gone up to a new level now where it's not only just about handling or, as we've spoken about before, in possession of the ball. It's like the reaction, your senses, your memories, stuff like that, which Mm -hmm. is But players, I'm sure, now are more
2: open to that as well, right? For sure. I'm sure back in us, maybe before you guys played. Well, I mean, when we were that? when won't. we
1: were still playing, we, we were just the the GPS and the heart rate monitors were just coming in, right. and we had these bands around us that used to drive me crazy because I didn't like to wear anything under my under my jersey. So we had these bands that were very uncomfortable. And as I said, the game has evolved. An interesting story actually from from back in the day. We used to have these heart rate monitors. Um, or GPS on us for our rest weekends as well (laughs) so if we had a weekend off but we was given a specific program to have that weekend off the coach would say or the strength and conditioning guy would say listen, we're giving you these two days off but you have to do some light to medium work so we'd wear them fucking Don Hutchinson didn't do anything all weekend (laughs) he took his dog to the park and put the GPS (laughs) on on his dog? (laughs) the GPS and the heart rate monitor I did similar on ones. I, I did that, me and, me and the business
2: got Fitbits years ago, right? And we had a bit of a contest, you know, who, who could get the most kilometers. I put it on my dog and went for a run. <laughs> Playing play, play, play fetch. <laughs> and it hey, recorded it, was
1: perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Okay, well, listen, the staff came back in on Monday. Don handed his uh, GPS and his heart rate monitor back in and he got called back into the room again. what the f- have you been doing? Three hundred on Sunday. Your, your heart rate monitor's gone up to like three <laughs> hundred. <laughs> so what? What if you were in? Uh, let's just say
2: you're in Sweden pre preseason had an off day, and they said you got to wear this. Might <laughs> 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 be an issue. You
1: wouldn't be doing too much what in were the bar. You doing? What were Very you
2: doing? short spurts. <laughs> for some reason, it wasn't long. But my god, that heart was going thirty second burst. <laughs> or one thirty second burst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah but it must I mean at first as youngsters you must have been raring to get at it I mean, your first professional contracts I'm going to show these guys right at what point did you realise nah I just don't enjoy preseason. was there a point
1: from my 1st preseason? pre-season oh from it was, the, first it, it was the first one it was the first one. Oh, yeah well, we done pre-seasons pre as, as youth team players as well so you knew what it was about it was just more intense yeah. when you hit the first team because you're not actually playing or training with, with guys your own age like you would in the youth team you're now competing with Older guys, experienced guys that have been through many pre-seasons. Mm-hmm. So they're stronger, they're quicker, and you're having to kind of compete with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go back to even when I speak to our younger boys that are going to train with the first team or uh, even guys that I played with back in England and said, the head coach is not even looking at you at <laughs> the moment. You are just a number. You're a training number. So make sure at every opportunity you work your absolute socks off and that if you're called upon you can show that you can play at this level you can compete at this level but in no way think about you can just play on the peripheral of this training session yeah. and, and get by because
3: mm-hmm. if, you, if you when you do get your chance if you get your chance and most don't you better make it count you yeah, really yeah, have to make yeah. it count
2: small window opportunity yeah. right you might yeah. get out you can... might
1: get out one training session two
2: training sessions you with the players that you thought he's going to make it for sure Great talent has first training camp, has a bad session, doesn't get looking, and is a career wasted. Um, Can it happen? Yeah, oh well,
3: yeah, lots Can of talent. Yeah, there's various reasons why people will fail. They could have all the talent in the world, they might not have the mentality to be able to stick it out to, you know, yeah. and deal with it, deal with what's happening off the field, you know, all these different things that uh, surround you. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Well, but, I mean, getting up for preseason games, I mean, I know myself playing oh. sports, you know. In my life, I hate preseason because I couldn't. I couldn't switch on for a preseason game playing rugby, for example. Right, once the the real game started, that's no problem at all. But preseason, mm. I just couldn't get in one hundred percent, and that's when you get hurt, of course. Were you, you were you able to like okay, it's freaking first preseason game of the year. I am going to give one hundred percent, the same as I would in the last game of the season.
3: Mm, well, I, I mean, for me. Uh, as a goalkeeper, you're just trying to, again, use it as a practice. Suppose, right? But, yeah, but yeah. I mean, out players, and it's you, hard.
1: To would pre- you go for two hard.
2: feet on the tackle, for example, or would you pull out of a tackle in preseason that you wouldn't?
1: Well, you, again, your mm-hmm. your game, especially your first two or three games, are all managed by the sports science group. So you'll see certain players will only play 45 minutes for the first game. right. And then the next game, like your top players will play 45 or 60. So it's a gradual transition to getting up to those 90 minutes. Your loads, your GPS, everything's measured and put in a specific individual program for you mm-hmm. so that your build up towards the end of preseason is measured towards you starting that first league game. But. For me, pre-season games, especially as a striker, is about getting your confidence as well as your fitness. Right. So getting reps in and around goal, trying to get shots, trying to get efforts, trying to bang three or four goals in that pre-season so it transitions into the league season where you're kind of playing on the front foot. So mm-hmm. I always used pre-season as a good starting block for me to to kind of get that confidence. Whether you were playing against lower league teams, teams from the Premier League when you were in the championship, for, for whatever reason... Obviously, it wasn't a, 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 a league game or competitive game in that sense, but you were still playing for a spot. You were still trying to play to, to help you, to guide mm. you into that first league game of the season because when you start in August, you know those games come pretty quick and fast because yeah, yeah. you have the League Cup coming in that, that month as well. Yeah. So always it always depends to be ready. too
3: if there's a champ manager change too and whether you have to impress or whether that manager yeah. always knows you or whether that manager likes you. Um, that all comes into play as well. I
0: can't. I, the other thing I was always thinking about was, and it's Let's Talk Mental Hel- Health Week. I think right for is it this week? I think it's either this week or next week. Mm-hmm. But has professional footy moved into a place where they have mental health professionals? That because I can imagine the stress for a new player. You know, like I can't imagine a sixteen-year-old from fucking Burnaby or Coquitlam <laughs> or where where it is yeah. so you fly over there. And they go, oh yeah, you're on a, you're, you're on a, you're on a training team now. Go for it. You know, and, like there's this level of you just talked about lost talents, yeah. because of stress, anxiety, all kinds of different things, and sure. not performing. Have have these professional teams moved into a place where <clears throat> mental health? is That's a now. good question.
3: I, I don't think they've moved as far. Um, I I was experiencing uh, uh, over there with one of the players at West Ham um, from who lived in the Ipswich area, R- Richard Hall. He was 27 when he had a career-inning injury. I mean, he was at West Ham for two or three years with this foot injury, trying to get through it, um, but couldn't. And his career was you know, going up very, very quickly. He moved from Southampton to West Ham. Some people say he was almost single-handedly saved West Ham in the Premier League that year. So his career was going places. They're talking about him being England captain at centre-back, and, and then all of a sudden this happens. Uh, he spiraled it out of control, and uh, mentally he went... Uh, it, in a deep deep place a dark place uh he ended up the priory uh, the hospital the mental hospital in london which is he was fortunate enough that uh the, somebody paid that for him, but it was hugely expensive so you know not the average person could go to it um he was able to go to it and got through it but there's there's all that as well that comes into a play too as a kid that's you know been good since they were five six you know all the way through their life it's been and they've been pampered and you're building things up and uh when it all comes crashing down uh those type of things come into play
0: well I, I always thought you know as an <laughs> athlete overachieving's easy you know being an overachiever you, uh, he's too small to play you play with a chip on your shoulder all the mm. time and mm. wherever you're from but even with ditch and you're like you had some injuries and you had concussions mm. how like were the teams, oh, you know, talking about that back then? No.
3: You know? No. Not at all. Concussions, not at all. Roll you right back out there. Yeah. It's a little bit like, you know, Trump made a comment about the, you know, the bombing uh, when in Iran yeah, yeah, yeah. threw some bombs over at the base, said there was no injuries or there's a couple of head injuries. 34 now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Apparently just some head injuries.
1: Yeah.
3: You know. we so they be dealing with. The respect, the respect for mental health
2: has still got a long way to go.
1: Well, your kids
2: teach at TFC. I mean, I'm assuming you keep a close eye yeah, on, on that side of things now compared to when you were at that point 100%, in
1: 100%, yeah, because mm-hmm. you're putting these young boys in an environment now where they're probably being pressured from the parents to to stay within the academy, whether it be at Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, or any academy around the world. So there's a huge amount of pressure on these, these younger players compared to when we were younger players. We, we were playing for the love of it, and there wasn't as much pressure from the parents, whether it be from the sidelines, whether it be in the car on the way home to say, How, why didn't you perform to this standard? I just feel that these these this modern generation are not only under so much pressure from their peers, but also from their friends now on social media and, and certain platforms like that, where whether you're in a, a high-level hockey team, a, a youth level, baseball, basketball, you're like the big shot. So you have to perform day in day out. You have to act with a, a certain amount of swagger as well, because you're the jock at the school. Or do you, in have, that any, team. Do you have
3: any kids uh, that you think at your academy um, that don't want to be there? They, they they don't believe in themselves enough, but their parents are pushing them. that yes. they want them to do there.
1: Yes, hundred. How do you deal with that? Because so, so we 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 have player coach meetings every two or three months. And then there's certain times when I'll pull the player to the side or I'll just have a general Mm. conversation with him, kind of a casual conversation to see how he's doing. But I I always, as I said, I'm a pretty good people reader and I get the sense from from a young player that he's not interacting with the group or he's just not in it. And I've got a player in my team now that I just I, I kind of think to myself why do you come every day like you you look like you don't want to be here and I don't know whether there's certain stuff going on at home he's trying to go to university so I just have to try and give him as much support as possible and try and make him feel a part of the squad and the team as much as possible Mm because he doesn't play week in week out and there's certain other players within the academy as well that I've spoken to and said and I in front of their parents and said it really doesn't look like you want to be here like yeah. When you're in this environment, you, you're being given an opportunity to, to progress to either our professional ranks or the pathway of going to a high-level university mm-hmm. to grasp that opportunity. But a lot of these young boys are going through certain stuff, whether it be at school, whether it be in their social life, that we don't see every day. So we, we have the analogy of saying, try and be aware of what is in that player, that child's backpack. Because there's a lot of stuff in there that we do not know about and we don't see every day. So it's very hard for us to put on sessions as well as manage the everyday um, behaviors and how their emotions are every day. But uh, I, I look at that very, very deeply. I really do. more, Even more than the tactics every day of a session, I look at the, the actual Body language, and how players are interacting with each other, and I can see straight away if someone's mm-hmm. down, and I'll try and bring them into the group with a little bit of humour, or mm-hmm. it might even be that they just need to sit down. So with me much on the different
3: site. than being a player, because eh? now you're so a much coach, different. and as as well as young players, just dealing with what are they dealing with off the field? Yeah. And they that's get, a are massive are they, part of they have it, a relationship great. with their parents, with their siblings, friends. The pressures yeah. of uh, it's friends. Tough it is tough it must be yeah.
2: <clears throat> so difficult though for for a footballer be it in pre-season a youngster who, who comes to that point of self-reflection introspection when he realises man I'm just not good enough mm. I'm, I'm not going to make it you as a coach have probably seen that way before the player does how difficult is it then for the player to admit
1: okay you know what I'm going to have to go a different direction here it's a lot easier for my age group because they're like 18 and 19 Charm. so They've come to a stage probably where they've been at our academy for a long, long time and they probably haven't been playing as much as they expected within the last six months. So kind of the writing's on the wall. So I think it's a process where they can come to terms with it rather than a 13, 14 year old where he's been the top player at his youth club and he's come into our academy and we always give them a year at least to try and. Um, transition into our environment which is a difficult environment it's a competitive environment where they're playing with all the best players that we've either scouted or we've developed through our academy so there's a lot of players that have been very very good players at their club and they're now coming into our environment and playing with the rest of the good players from out the GTA mm-hmm. and they suddenly go oh I'm not as good as I thought I was or I'm not as good as what my mum and dad tell me week in, week out. All yeah. my yeah. friends tell me week in, week out. <laughs> so that's a huge stumbling block for a lot of our younger players that we have to try and help and kind of groom them in the sense to believe that they are good enough to stay at that standard. But there's a lot of kids that fall by the wayside.
2: In, in, the, in the corporate world, managers will have workshops to how to fire someone, do it the right way. Mm. Do you have a way that you
1: fire a player? Well, it's <laughs> different it, it's, because it we're not firing a, a young player. But letting them know, okay. Let you know, them know, the we'll, road ends now. We'll bring the parents in. We'll do it uh, in a face-to-face meeting. What we also do, which I think is a, a great thing that the club and what we do as an academy, we will also keep ties with that that player. So really? we will send him. To a club in his area That we have a, a connection with That we have a relationship with Where we can keep an eye on that player And bring him back in in six months To see if there's been any improvement oh, yes. so, so it's hope, not just a, a cut off yeah, it's not just So a guy, guy like
3: uh, one of your young players Who's doing quite well He's had some injury problems Josh Morera. He recently uh, took the university yep. route uh, And went down to Florida I believe um, He's yeah, enjoying Jacksonville it. Yeah, yeah he's enjoying it by the way uh, Do you keep an eye on him? For sure. Yeah.
1: So we'll get all the games sent. Uh, we'll be in contact with his head coach, who's a really good guy. He came up to Toronto. Right. And I'll, I'll be in contact with Josh as well to see how things are going. Text him once the season's gone. And he'll come back in. Um, so when they get a break in university, all our university boys have the option to come back in to use our gym or to train with uh, my 19s team. Really. As well, in the spring break or in the summer as well. So once you're in, yeah. you're in. Yeah. yeah, whatever capacity You're part of the family. Yeah, you're part of the family, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And then the flip until side. Until
2: you're course, not. Until you're not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know that feeling, don't we, Greg? Yeah, that's yeah, sorry. No, get man. out. Yeah. Yeah. Get yeah. out. Yeah. We're not bitter. <laughs> <laughs> We're not bitter. <laughs> but on the, on the flip oh, side, Deach, then we, we see this past week, right? It's a good week. You get some of your players signing their papers for CFC. And that must, as a coach, make you very proud. But I mean, for those players, I mean, my God, how do you prepare them? Okay, boy, you know you've done great. You've signed your contract. It's going to change now, though. Do you prepare them specifically? Well, ask Craig. He was he was
1: a yeah. young player back in the day that, that that offered a professional contract pretty soon after going over the punt. So mm-hmm. you got a
2: trial. Was that a trial first you got right when you went there? Yeah, it was a trial first. Uh, I
3: was there for a month, and then uh, had some backup plans. Go to West Brom or Dundee United. Um, yeah, Thank so God signed. You didn't I signed to the You never know. Yeah. yeah. Thank God. <laughs> eh? It was last resort.
1: <laughs> that is the uh, last hey, resort. By the way, you, you keep working your way down. I mean, Ipswich. No disrespect Ipsos, to Dundee, but like, well, plenty of disrespect. Actually,
3: let's be honest with you, Jesus, that's that whole line. Right. <laughs> uh, no disrespect, yeah. but
2: Dundee. I, I, I was just kidding. You know when I called yeah. you fat? I, it yeah. me. I mean, I mean
3: Ipswich should be that team now. Actually, I'd probably rather go to Dundee than Ipswich. <laughs> freaking third tier. But do you remember that day it, when they, they, they said, the said "Okay, we want you to then. stick around." The, the, they want me to stick yeah. around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They they were kind of fumbling around for a while because they they promised before I went there that they wouldn't sign another goalkeeper until they had a look at me, but but they did. So to have me signed on as well... And, and Peter Schmurker went nowhere anyway, so...
2: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they made the right choice. Yeah. No, I'm joking.
3: <laughs> so when I did sign professional forms, um, again, you're super young and, and you're expected, like you all of a sudden feel like you have to be doing things out of the ordinary because now you're a pro yeah right so I think I came for the first couple crosses that were 30 yards out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a little bit up it, yeah. Oh, too, yeah, too just trying it? to do everything and not even close. <laughs> and the, the coach is like,
3: what, like, what are you doing? Like, like, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't try to, like, yeah. trying, I was trying to literally be
1: Superman.
2: I'm gonna that's like, the ink
1: tried right? on this contrast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that's got to be a big <laughs> yeah. challenge, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs>
2: All 25 pound a week of it. It's got to be a big challenge, though, right? Just keep doing what you're doing. No, but I'm a professional now. Yeah, now yeah. I'm a professional. I've got to be doing yeah. more. Yes. Let, no.
3: I thought I needed to be doing more Wow. Well, wow. mm-hmm. but your first—I mean, as a goalkeeper too. I mean, it's, it's a different position than like being a striker. For instance, dj just got to go out there and make things happen, right? Mm-hmm. Got to get involved. Got to get on the end of crosses. Got to make stuff happen. For goalkeepers, it's the opposite. You you, you have to let things happen. Um, you can't affect the other end of the field. You can only affect what's sort of in front of you. So mentally, you have to get their head around that that you just can't like I was trying to make things happen well you can't you got to let it happen you got to let it come and you can only do what you can do do your job that way so it took a long time to sort of appreciate that and I think the goalkeeper position is why you know you're not I would say that you're in your mid-30s or early 30s when you're peaking 32 I thought I was probably at my very best and I I was told that when I was younger that it would probably be the case from other goalkeepers and uh, truly was Yeah, right. yeah even if you lose a little bit of you know your reflection or your uh, reflexes are off a little bit, but what your knowledge of the game and your comfort your football zone, IQ is at term high. Football IQ, your quickly. fiddle, physical literacy, everything uh, is is at peak. So you're you're in a good spot. Well,
2: was it half of your folks to say, okay, you know what, stay there, Greg? Now you're English. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, my you're, folks. You're
3: yeah, my, I mean, my dad and my mom is completely different because my dad was not only my mom wasn't a supporter, she was, but she was also. You know, for mums to lose a, a teenager Yeah And you're going over there And there was no Skype or, you know It was a dollar a minute back in the 1980s You yeah. know, phoning So <laughs> it was a big adjustment for them But my dad was, you know, you know, pushing and Have uh, fun, son
2: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah Yeah, have fun, yeah yeah. And what you teach, I mean Your first professional contract You know, you've been playing age groups You know, it's different for you, right? Because you're in the football system your whole life Yeah Whereas Craig got into it quite late This was just a progression, right? Was it still a big moment?
1: Yeah, I think it was an achievement, but I'd grown up at QPR since I was nine years old. I was scouted at nine... So I'd come through all the system. Five for like, eleven. <laughs> five for eleven with a mustache at night. <laughs> <laughs> just actually sixty. You know what? Now. Yeah. I'm not. You doubting that. that. I'm not doubting that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> when did you have a beard? Twelve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember He's there was,
0: John, a- he was he was the guy that we sent to the, the yeah. liquor store, right? Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> there
3: was a guy on the BC Select team back in the day. I mean, if you're 15 and you can have a beard. You have a beard. Yeah. So oh, he's in the nice. team photos, and you can imagine, like the guy—he was the guy you sent for the liquor, right? Yeah. Because he looked like he was mid twenties. He's McLovin. He's, he's our McLovin.
2: McLovin. <laughs> yeah. McLovin. Did he go through yeah, the, the the bum fluff stage, or was it just r- 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 like coarse beard straight yeah, away? No.
1: Real you bum, bum fluff? fluff. Yeah. 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 You because born once born you shave like it, that? that's it. The coarse stuff is yeah, coming, coming
2: through. Coming through there,
1: right? Yeah. yeah. Is it itchy yet? No, I've gone through the itchy stage now. It's a lovely beard. Yeah. Thanks. But no, I I'd gone through the system from nine. All the way up to 17, when they offered me uh, a a professional contract after finishing my YTS. uh, Two years of YTS, which was yeah, youth training experience for those that don't know what it is. Which Craig obviously went through. I went through. uh, How much a
2: week we get paid in the
1: YTS? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. So I was ten bucks more than yeah, I was ten pounds more than twenty-five pounds a week. And, and my cheap landlady... War,
0: cheap foreign help. Did yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. small hands? Yeah, yeah. i
1: like yeah. little things. Oh, it, was, it was, it was child labour. It really oh, was.
0: Yeah, we like, were
1: put to labour as well. Because
0: yeah. we cleaned the
3: stadium, we cleaned the boots, we cleaned right. the toilets, and the oh yeah. So they got every bit of 25 pounds a week out of you. Right. And the landlady got 35. Yeah. But she had to feed you with that. Right. And that wasn't really food, was it? No. What was yours? It was Mashed your name potatoes, was 57 your- days straight.
2: what was the name again you had a name for it didn't you
3: Mrs Bond Mrs Bond well it was Mrs Bond yeah yeah. the do drop in
2: the do drop in in. because
3: Frank Gallup was around the house (laughs) came came around Canadian International been in Ipswich for a few years came around for mashed potatoes
2: 57 days straight mashed potatoes
3: yeah Wow. I remember I was counting it. And then, it, it, it obviously, and then I was sitting there at the dinner table and, uh, with Frank, and Mrs. Bond's making mashed potatoes. And he looks at me, and he's like, look, look over your shoulder. Look over your shoulder. I, I look over there, and I'm like, holy shit. She's mashing potatoes, and she's got this big dewdrop hanging off her nose. Oh. And, I, and I'm like, oh, jeez, jeez. That's so,
1: why it was so creamy,
3: that's though, why, the yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. So <laughs> me and Frank, I'm looking at Frank going, oh. Oh, come <laughs> on, man. And then he's like, no, 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 look again. <laughs> so I gone. turn around and look again. And now the dew drop's gone and she's mashing
0: the potatoes.
2: <laughs> oh, God. Now, what day of 57 was this? Oh, probably about 33 something like so that. So you got you thinking for a four-day Yeah, Frank's straight.
3: like, oh, no, uh, Miss Bond, by the way, uh, no mashed potatoes for me.
2: <laughs> and that's how you got the Craig name. Craig double. In. The dew <laughs> drop in, yeah.
1: Frankie Nader, and he goes, "Yeah." Go back, but going back, to, back to the topic, pre-season. So as an apprentice, pre-season was one of the worst times because not only were you having to do your, your physical training, you were having to do all the jobs entailed as part of the YTS. So that was obviously all the first team... Uh, equipment and washing kit it. washing the the changing room the toilets I remember going into the first team room at times and the first team players would just throw their underpants on, on the floor and there was all kinds of disgusting colours in them <laughs> underpants and you, you'd pick them up like this and and if we had like certain players room? that didn't like we'd throw them on their heads and we had we had good banter as YTS guys but like from yeah. cleaning the the head coach's car, toilets, yeah, yeah. the stadium just it was taking a horrible job. time yeah, completely. it uh, was child
3: labor. Now it was child labor, but on the other hand it certainly was it kind of put you in your place because you weren't you hadn't made it yet. It yep. put you in your place there. It, 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 it gave you some discipline and when you were released, which most players would be, at least they had that. Now yeah. they don't have to do it they don't yeah. have to do any of that. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not part of their job. Now I get that because it was sort of cheap labor, but these kids mm. all think they've made it until they haven't and then when they leave then they have they're lacking a little bit of discipline as mm-hmm. well and it puts them in a bad place when they're moving forward. So yeah.
2: I'm not sure what's the best. Yeah, yeah. precisely. Yeah. I mean, we we could go on a long time about that what's yeah. best for kids nowadays etc mm. etc. Probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Right? Maybe they get a bit too much too soon. These Definitely days, not 10 um,
1: grand a week when you haven't made a, a no. professional. Uh, you pull up in your Bentley, and you haven't got a first name appearance yeah.
2: yet. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. For the record, though, um, I only come here because my dad makes me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't you quit, son. Wasn't it your um, dad that used to put you on the opposite team? In yeah, he was, yeah, when they had. Players when they though. were when they were short
2: yeah. rugby in his coaching yeah. Team was short, a player. Alright, you're playing for them today, son I'm like? Come on! <laughs> really? <laughs> I know I'm no great shakes nor but and I just let guys run right past me and make no effort whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, so thanks, Dad. Still in therapy for that one. <laughs> Still in therapy. Alright, we're out of time. Craig, you're away next week. Yeah, going to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Well, Unlike myself, when Craig Can goes away scouting we for beach, going to find some Are you? Mexican talent. Footballers. Yeah. Huh? Footballers. Golfers. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is
2: there any other talent? <laughs> well, uh, Sweden preseason camps would well, right. suggest there's plenty of talent elsewhere. Yes. All right. Hope you enjoyed that, everyone. Uh, make sure you follow us. Please follow us on Footy underscore prime on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Footy prime, the podcast. Uh, that was a fun one, fellas. Yeah. Thanks, and, uh, everybody.